Praise the Lord, everyone. It's good to be here this evening with you all. I give honor to your pastor and bishop and the leadership of this church. I am thankful to be here. Uh, I think you guys can blame my wife for the bad weather. Um, She was praying for snow, and uh, she loves snow. And uh, when we went to New York at the beginning of this year, um, we started in New York City and then went to Connecticut our second week, and it was cold in Connecticut, not like this. Um, this is almost ungodly, I think. Uh, but um, um, when we got there, there was no snow in Connecticut, and our daughter, who wanted snow also, because my wife had told the kids after leaving Maryland after the New Year, she said, don't worry, there'll be snow up north. We're heading north to where the snow was, or it's supposed to be, and there was no snow. And I went and dropped her off um, in Maryland and then Pennsylvania because she has to be there for some surgeries that are going on next week. And when I left there to go to Maine, all the snow started coming. I left Pennsylvania. They got two inches, and where I was heading to in Maine, they got a foot. And I told her, please stop praying. Um, And evidently, she didn't pray for warmth here uh, because it gotten colder. And so you guys can blame her. Um, She's not here, so it's easy to do that. Uh, I wish they were with me. Um, They miss me. I know that. Um, I miss them. But I'm honored to be here. I really am. And I'm thankful for that you guys give me the opportunity to come and be with you all. Um, We are missionaries to the Republic of Georgia and Armenia. If you do not know where that is, Georgia is not just north of Florida and east of Alabama. That is the wrong Georgia. And yes, we always do have Georgia on our mind. And I can definitely tell you the devil went down to Georgia, just the (laughs) wrong Georgia. Uh, But we are over there by Russia and Turkey. We are the nation that separates Russia from the Middle East. Uh, it's an exciting place. It's an exciting time. Uh, anybody hear of the Ukraine war with Russia? Just a little bit. Uh, that has caused a lot of problems for Georgia. Um, we have had seven, over 750,000 immigrants from Russia come into Georgia in the last six months alone. And so we are having an exciting thing because our, we are a nation of 4 million in Georgia, and you add 750,000 people to that, it kind of overflows everything. Our city of Tbilisi, where, where we live at, the capital was built for 800,000. We have almost 2 million there before the war, and it, the roads were bad enough. Uh, you, you think driving's bad in some places? Go there. I'm telling you, we can have you prayed through real quick. We drive in two lanes. We drive five cars wide. Uh, We drive so close to each other, you can reach out the window and shake your or smack your neighbor in the face if you wanted to. We drive on either side of the car. Depends on where the steering wheel's at. It doesn't matter. And if you ain't driving fast enough, we'll make an extra lane on the other side of the road and just pass you on that side. And it's legal as long as two of your tires stay on the white line. So 90% of your car can be oncoming traffic, but if your tires are there, you're okay. It's not illegal. Don't ask me how I know. Um, I found out. (laughs) 
but it's exciting. And then we were also appointed Armenia. We, we have the privilege of being appointed there in 2019, me and my family, in December. Of course, then we had COVID hit. Um, but before I speak um, and tell you much more, I, I want you to see a video, and then I will tell you stories of what God is doing there, and uh, just let you see what's happening. Let's go ahead and play it. In a region that has been plagued by political conflict for many years, there are two nations, the Republic of Georgia and Armenia. They have been dealing with physical invasions for many years, but unbeknownst to them, they have been dealing with a dark spiritual invasion as well. The religions of these regions profess to be Christian. However, they are steeped in superstition and idolatry. In the mountains of Georgia, there is a monastery where women pilgrimage to offer sacrifices of baby items in hopes of having a child. There is a deep spiritual darkness that shrouds and consumes this nation. However, breaking through that darkness is a spirit of life and hope. The light of the world is pushing back this darkness. And my brother was really active in this church and I saw how he changed in a few months and I look at him and I would be like, oh, I want that, I want what he has. At some point I just told God that take, just take over my life, I don't know what to do, I'm just giving it all to you. And I slowly started coming to church. Uh, but I was really shy and introverted, so I wouldn't sit in the front. I would sit way in the back where no one could see me. But then as, you know, services went by, I slowly I got baptized in a month after I joined the church. And then a few months later, I received the Holy Ghost. We are overjoyed to have seen many healed and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and be baptized in the precious name of Jesus during our last term. It is with great joy that we are able to report that they are growing in their relationship with God and He is doing a mighty work in these nations. During this last term, we were appointed to the nation of Armenia and we are eager to begin working with Brother and Sister Strickland and Regional Missionaries Brother and Sister Hierapatan. We are so thankful for those who have sent us in prayer and continue to cover us while we are on the field. We are grateful for those who have sacrificially given to reach these nations. We pray that God will richly bless you as we push forward in these nations. Please join us and our AIM team and the regional missionaries in prayer for the nations of Georgia and Armenia. That is just a glimpse into Georgia and Armenia. Uh, it's amazing what God is doing. These are not nations that have uh, 
people preaching for generations. They are still new to the gospel. Uh, we have one apostolic church in Georgia, and we have a church in Armenia, one church. They still need Jesus. They need people to speak Jesus over it. They need people to go in the streets and speak Jesus. And I thank God that we have an opportunity to go. Uh, my wife said it in the video there that they, the, the, the story of the bringing of the sacrifices of baby items just in hopes of having a baby. You understand, they're still very paganistic. They're orthodox, but it's very paganistic. They still, there's one, uh, one church in a village that they offer up animal sacrifices every day, all day, and they say it's a river of blood flowing from the altar out the door. When they're taught, when they're, while they grow up, they're taught they can never pray to God. They're taught they have to pray to a saint, and then that saint will pray to God, but they're never allowed to pray to Jesus. I don't know what that's like. I never was taught that. I was always taught to pray to God. But over there, they're taught they're never allowed to. And God is breaking open doors. God is breaking open doors that people are coming to know who he is. And they're seeing the revelation of who Jesus is. They're hungry for it. They're desiring it. And we are excited to go. We're eager to go back. We have many open doors for us when we get there. We just got to get back off the, off deputation and back on the field. Um, and... Uh, and no, we don't get this cold in Georgia. Um, for all you that like to wake up late, that is Georgia should always be on your mind then because we don't start our days till about 10 o'clock in the morning. So, And Dunkin' Donuts is, all, is what we have over there, and they don't open to 8 o'clock. So anybody else that likes that kind of sleeping in, that's where you should be. <laughs> no, no, you got to stay here. Uh, but... Um, that young lady in the story that she was telling, she didn't, that was a, condensed version of her testimony. Anybody ever meet an introvert? Anybody here introverted a little bit? Just a little bit? This young lady, she was beyond introverted. She was her, she, when we met her, she was on her third year of university. But she was still in year one because she failed three years. She couldn't meet people. She couldn't talk to people. She couldn't come around people. She was actually to the point where, in, in, in her own words, she told us that she was actually sick in bed. The doctors didn't know what was wrong with her. Her brother would come in in the morning and check every day just to see if she was alive. Now, you got to understand, her brother was introverted when we met him, and he actually came to a Bible study. My wife was teaching to a group of ladies in the church, and it was a house church, and when she teaches house churches, they go for four hours. Now, when I teach a Bible study, I teach one Bible study for an hour, and then I teach another Bible study for an hour, and I, do, I can teach four to her one. Uh, but she likes to cook and play games and, you know, sing and all that stuff. I ain't cooking, and I, I don't do that. I go to a coffee shop, and I teach Bible studies. Uh, I had a place over there called Soulmate, and during COVID, I lost my soulmate. Uh, they closed up shop on me. Um, <laughs> And it was a sad day. Um, I had to cry for my soulmate. Um, 
But it, it was an interesting thing because this young man came to Bible study, and the first time he came to Bible study at my wife's, he wouldn't look her in the eye. He was introverted too. He wouldn't talk. He didn't say a word. He just sat there and looked down the whole time. And my wife honestly never thought he was coming back. His name was Magnus. And he came back the next week, and he came early. And so my wife got to spend some time talking to him, and she found out, that he played the guitar, and so she asked him, will you play the guitar in my Bible study? And you thought he would, she was asking him to play for the symphony or the orchestra because he, want, he loved it so much. He came prepared. He started, uh, Bible study was on Wednesday. By Thursday, he wanted to know what songs were for next Wednesday so he could be practicing them. And he started coming, and then he actually started calling me, asking me questions about uh, a baptism and the Holy Ghost and the oneness of God and all these things and this was happening at the end of 2019 this happened and when we when we met him and we, he was not there for long he was there only for maybe seven months before he went home because he graduated from university but in those seven months he on January first of 2020 he actually called me early in the morning after a, a crossover service and there it, it, we might as well do crossover services because you're not sleeping that night it's like bombs going off in the city if you if you don't like fireworks don't come to Georgia on uh, New Year's Eve because the whole city is lit up for about two to three hours in fireworks uh, they just they go off like crazy and I have a video later I can show some people if they want to see it but this young man called me and he, we went and baptized him and then during COVID during the pandemic he called me after one of the services and he said he wanted the Holy Ghost and so over a phone call he received the gift of the Holy Ghost over a phone call after one of the services and this young man was changed drastically no longer was he just shy and introverted but now he's calling mom and dad back in India and preaching to them over the phone calls and telling them who Jesus is and now he's witnessing to his sister who's on her deathbed expecting her to die they don't know what's wrong and in this she said I'm just going to give my life to Jesus she said whatever it is and in five minutes after praying a simple prayer her brother got a text message from one of the ladies in the bible that said tell your sister God wants her God has a plan for her and that young lady now she's filled with the Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus name she's bringing people to church she's leading our worship services you got to understand something when God gets a hold of somebody he doesn't leave them the same he changes them she even passed her first year of university after all that Never knew what was wrong with her, but Jesus stepped in. Me and my wife, we had the privilege of meeting over in Georgia. We met there in 2012. She fell in love with me right away. Uh, she just took one look at me and said, wow, I got to have them. And 10 months later, we were married. Uh, it was actually a miraculous thing that she even came. Because she wasn't supposed to be there. She was supposed to go to Ukraine. Actually, at first, she wasn't even sure if she was going to be able to go anywhere because of finances. And all orchestrated that we met each other. We lived three hours apart, and we had to go 6,000 miles to meet each other. Uh, that's just crazy. I, I would have rather driven the three hours than go 6,000 miles. But we met on the field, so it was worth it all. But 
when we went back as missionaries this time in 2018, we went back as our first time on missions. Uh, we were uh, we were praying and asking God, "What do you want done?" This term, and we prayed, and we both came up with that we wanted to start nine new churches in Georgia. Uh, now, I've been a part of home missions. Um, my pastor, Jerry Staten, was a, is a home missions planner. Uh, he, I went with him to Washington, D.C. to help start a church there. Uh, my wife, her father, is a home missions pastor. He started, she's helped him start about three churches in Pennsylvania. And I know a little bit about church planning. I've never pastored a church plant, but I've helped. And there's a lot of difference between pastoring one and helping one. Uh, I, I do know that. Um, but I know it's not easy, and nine seems like a big number for church planning in four years. And so we went with a plan in 2018. We landed in June of 2018 back in the country, and we were getting set up and getting our house put together. We still hadn't gotten all of our stuff from over from here to America, uh, from North America. We we shipped over a container full of stuff, and it still hadn't arrived. And we got a message, and somehow God connected us to a pastor, Pastor Roma. He was the one in the video there baptizing the lady in the Black Sea. That was the Black Sea there. And um, Pastor Roma messaged me and asked me to come up to his church. It was about five and a half hour drive. It's really not that long in distance, but because of our roads, um, we have to drive a little slower than I like. Um, we have to, it's necessary. 30 kilometers, or yeah, 30 kilometers takes us about an hour to an hour and a half to drive. It's kind of bad in some areas. Uh, and so I, I drove the five and a half hours. I got into the city of Batumi where I was spent, staying. It was about 20 minutes from the church. And on Saturday, he messages me and he says, hey, I want you to go with me on church on Sunday morning. I want you to come to church in Batumi with me. And I said, okay. He didn't know I was already there. Church starts at 10 o'clock in the morning, and me being the person I am, they said 10 o'clock, I show up at 9.30, and so I'm early. I'm, I don't like being late. I was taught never to be late. Uh, my pastor told me, he said, Daniel, if you ever teach a Bible study, you don't show up late. They can show up late, but you're not allowed to. That's what I was taught, and so I, I try to obey that rule. And so I... Uh, I got there early, and I should have known better than to get there early because I'm not in America. I'm in Georgia. And in Georgia, I was standing on the street. I didn't know where the church was because the address he gave me didn't lead me to a church. It led me to a bunch of houses. And so I'm standing on the street, found street park, and praying to God. My car, the, uh, well, now move the mission vehicle doesn't get towed away because I have no idea if I'm illegally allowed to park there or not. You just don't know some of these things. There's no signs. And I get there and I start walking down the streets going, every guy I see, Roma, 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 because that's his name. I don't know who else he is. I, I don't know what he looks like. I know nothing about him except his name, Roma. So I'm walking there for about 22 minutes, walking around, looking at everybody yelling, saying Roma, and nobody answers me. Good thing his name wasn't Georgi, because half the people respond. Most of the men over there are named Georgi, which is George. And so, um, so he finally shows up about eight minutes before church starts. 
We introduce ourselves. We don't speak much to each other because he speaks a different language than I do. I, I don't know him that well. And so uh, he walks me into this building. It used to be a house that they turned into a church. And I'm still thinking right now he's the pastor. Thinking pastor showed up eight minutes before church. That's not a good sign, but okay. He must know better than I do. And he walks me into this little office, and I found out right then and there he's not the pastor. There's four people sitting in this little room, three chairs on the side and one desk, and the person behind the desk was the pastor. And they t they, one of the guys stands up. I sit down, and I'm like, the guy's right here in front of my face when I'm sitting, he's standing. It's how small this room is. They bring in a translator, and they set, tell me right then and there, right, like two minutes before church starts, you're preaching. You got 15 minutes. I said, okay. So we go out there. They started service. We prayed, and then we went out there into the sanctuary, and we, we were there in worship service, and we're, I'm, we're worshiping God. I'm trying to figure out if I know any of the songs they're singing because I'm trying to listen to the tune because I have no idea what they're singing. I have no idea what they're saying because I'm in Georgia and they're speaking Russian. It just doesn't work for me. As I was learning Georgian and they were speaking Russian, I didn't get it. I thought I was in Georgia for a second. Um, you know, they just did, they did it that way. And I get there and the pastor, you know, they're worshiping. And next thing you know, the translator taps me on the shoulder. I was like, yes. She's like, you're up. So what do you mean I'm up? There was no introduction. There was nothing. These people don't know who I am. I don't even think the pastor got my name. He just told me I was preaching. That's a dangerous thing. And so I get up there and I preach and I, I check the time and I made sure I was going for 15 minutes. And at 15 minutes, I cut it off. And I really spoke about four minutes of that 15 because she never translated for an American preacher before. So I really didn't say anything. And the pastor, and I looked at the pastor, said, pastor, trying to give it back to him. He said, pray. I said, oh, thank God we're going to have an altar call. Sometimes you just need an altar call to make up for all the stuff that you just messed up on. <laughs> and so I, so I said, let's pray. And so she translates that. They all stand, and they took the scripture literally. Watch and pray. They watched as I prayed. Makes you feel real good, doesn't it? <laughs> so I got done praying. She didn't translate what I prayed. I just prayed. Pastor came up, did the Tyson offering, and then he preached for an hour. And then he did an altar call. He, they watched as he prayed, so I didn't feel too bad. They don't pray any other time. The only time they would ever do anything different besides that is they would offer if anybody wanted to repent. Now, I don't recommend doing it this way, but if you all want to, you guys talk to your pastor. I'm not doing it with you. But this is how they would do it. They would ask at the end of the church who wants to repent. And if somebody raised their hand, yes, they would come up on the platform with the pastor, turn around and face the crowd, and tell everybody what they're doing wrong. It might stop the sinning if you had to tell everybody. Needless to say, I made sure if I had to repent, I repented before I came to church. I was not doing that. <laughs> um, but at night, I would go to that church, and we didn't have a building. We used the pastor's carport. It, was, it didn't even have a big enough carport to fit the whole car underneath. It was only halfway. We had 70 people in that service. They, were, they had a... 
outside. We didn't have sound system. We didn't have air conditioning, except when cars drove by at 55 miles an hour. It's the best money, air conditioning money could buy, because it's free. We didn't have great chairs. We had two by six pews for the bottom and the back. They gave me the hour time to preach. They still didn't have altar call. And the fifth time being up there, though, I, I preached that morning. I was frustrated. And I prayed. I, said, I sat down. I said, God, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? And five minutes later, I get a text message from a missionary saying, God told me to tell you to go by faith. And so I went that night preaching on the miraculous. I said, okay, God. I made it in my mind before I went, we're going to have an altar call. <laughs> I'm tired of just praying and people not responding. And so I preached on the miraculous and I get done. There's 70 people in this little carport. And I get done and I said, who needs a miracle in their body? And they all stood up. All 70 of them. I thought five to 10 people. All 70 of them. Church full of sick people. And yet I get done preaching, I did that, and so they started bombarding me. Georgians don't form lines. They just start rushing me. And so the pastor, he started being my offensive lineman and blocking them out, and he pulled one of them up, and, he, and they would tell the translator what was wrong, and so they would say, I, he has cancer in his body, and I would pray for them. And it took an hour and a half to pray for them all. But we got to the last person. I mean, we prayed for cancer. We prayed for young ladies to have babies. And I didn't know if they were married, so I'd ask them. Some of them didn't look old enough to be married, so I'd ask them, are you married? I know maybe you're not supposed to do that, but I did it. I wasn't praying wrong. My goodness, I'm not praying outside the Bible. So we got down to the last person. It was the pastor's wife. They brought her over. They began to tell me she can't speak. So I laid hands on her. I prayed and I got done and I felt the unction of the Holy Ghost. And I tapped the translator on the shoulder. I said, ask her if she can speak. And the translator did not hear me. But the pastor's wife heard me. And she turned around at me and looked me in the eye and in perfect English said, I can speak. She never spoke English again. She never understood a word I ever said again. But in that moment of time, the God who created the language barrier overcame the language barrier. And since that time in that church, we've seen over 30 of them filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and over 50 of them baptized in the precious name of Jesus. I want you to understand something, church. God is moving. God is doing great things. We didn't start one church when we left, but now, since we went on 2018, but now we have nine preaching points. All churches came to us. God introduced us to a bishop of seven churches and when he came to our conference after he was done he said look what you all have is what we need we want to be a part of you we have now 10 churches we can preach at in Georgia God is opening up doors we just got to be willing to go last story and I'll bring it to a close in Armenia I was we got a point in December of 2019, of course, 2020 hit and COVID came through and we weren't unable to go. Last year, about this time, I was finally able to go to Armenia. It took us, they shut the borders for two years. 
They didn't just have COVID. They had a war between Azerbaijan and Armenia. It's not been easy over there. Pray for them. It was a mess. But I went down there to be with the pastor and his family to minister to them because his son was in the war, and it's a miracle his son's alive. There was a story. They told me the stories the miraculous hand of God upon his life because God, he got hit with an RPG in the chest. The people around him died, but he lived. There was another time he was behind enemy lines. They pronounced him dead. They put his, cart, his body in the cart full of bodies. They were transporting him back home, and at night they stopped. And it was during the winter, so they threw his body in the water so it wouldn't decay. And when he hit the water, his hands started moving, so he, they rushed him to the hospital. And when I got there, they were discharging him from the army. And so I was there spending time with them, ministering to them. I preached for their church. I went to other uh, Bible studies outside the city near Mount Arat. Uh, I got to go and do some of those things. And, and, but the last day I was there, we were out to eat, me, Bagrat, and his son. And I was just spending time with them, talking to them, trying to encourage them. And Bagrat got a phone call asking me to come preach on the National Trinitarian Christian TV station. I didn't know anybody. The only person I know in Armenia is Bagrat. And so we got 20-minute notice. I got there. We got there in 20 minutes. I didn't have my iPad, which had all my notes on it. I left all that at the hotel before we went to lunch. I guess I should never leave my notes at home now. When I got there, I got told I was going to preach for two hours two sermons. They said, you can preach anything you want. Just don't say oneness. I can preach oneness without saying oneness. But I preached for two hours on the Holy Ghost. They didn't live stream it. They didn't play it over right then. They recorded it and then they did some video editing stuff, software, and put stuff behind me that was not there. I have no idea what they did. It's above my pay grade. But they aired it later. So I, I got done with that, and I, I got to go eat. I grabbed my stuff at the hotel, went back to Bagrat's house, ate dinner, and he dropped me off at the train station so I could catch the midnight train to Georgia. Not many people can say that. <laughs> I rode the midnight train. And then we got all the way back on deputation. Can't tell you anything happened when they aired it, but... In June of last year, Bagrat sent me a picture message. I said, what is this? I had no information. He said, these are all the non-denominational leaders. They heard the message, and they want to know who Jesus is. We're talking about churches. They're getting converted. There's an open door. The time is short. We got to go. Pastor Woodward, would you come?